to At the Threshold, a podcast for ministry leaders during this new, unsettled season in the life of the church. We are your hosts, Ashley Alley Crawford and Shelley Petz. We're both clergy in the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, which is comprised of approximately a thousand churches in the states of Kansas and Nebraska. Shelley works with Clergy Faith and Wellness with the Great Plains Conference. And Ashley is the Clergy Recruitment and Development Coordinator, and we're sharing this from the Office of Clergy Excellence. Our focus here in At the Threshold is to host a conversation with and for clergy in order to describe what's happening, ask questions to help get us unstuck, and encourage the heart of pastors and leaders in this liminal time in which we find ourselves. Liminal may be a new word, but a new season calls for a new word. Liminal means a threshold from what we've always known to, well, we don't know just yet what life and ministry is becoming. Our goal here is to find a little light at the threshold. It's so good to have everyone here joining us for this important conversation today. I'm Ashley Alley Crawford, and also leading our conversation is the Reverend Dr. Shelley Petz, and we're both clergy here in the Great Plains, and we've been hosting this series of conversations on behalf of the Office of Clergy Excellence as we try to navigate um, this new coronavirus-influenced reality. As we all have felt, we are in this liminal season. And if liminal is a word still unfamiliar to you, it means um, a threshold. It means the middle part from one time to another um, in which it's filled with both uncertainty and possibility. And in these conversations that we have, we're seeking to describe some of the things that we're seeing um, happening in this um, uncertain time. And we're, we're wanting to identify some questions and some possibilities that are bubbling up. And we also hope that this is a conversation that encourages the heart of everyone who's here with us and everyone who listens in some new way. So we just want to invite you each time we gather um, that you will glean one or two things to think about, to act upon, or to pray through. So as you all know, today our topic today is children's ministry. This really is the beginning of a two-part conversation about education, and it's a companion to the previous conversation that we that we had two weeks ago. Uh, we had a conversation that connected to the strain on our healthcare system during this challenging time, um, as medical care um, and health was one of the, the ways that the founder of our Methodist movement, John Wesley, thought that society could be reformed and impacted for Christ. The second thing, as you all probably know, um, is education. Um, because of his emphasis on an instructing children, both at home and in formal schools, there have been an advent of hundreds of schools and colleges and universities that were founded, um, and also the influence of the Sunday school movement, which was starting up about that time um, in the U.S. and in England, was able to take root. So we, what we do have a rich heritage in our Methodist tradition of, of a influence on Christian education and um, on the, the place of children in our midst. So we're going to link to some of Wesley's writings on children actually on our episode page for you all. Christian education in recent years and in some places has often been left into the hands of incredible church leaders. And now congregations and families are having the opportunity to partner together to do this in new ways. There have been moments where this has gone extremely well. Some of you may know examples of that in your own places. And there are other times where this has been very difficult. You also may relate to that. Add to that the stress of the pandemic, economic difficulties, social injustices, and so much that is unknown. Right now, so many congregations are in the midst of trying to figure out what this will look like for the fall with plans changing every day. We're in a season that has the potential for incredible learning and growth at the same time, a season that has the potential for missing opportunities for Christian education. What we do at this time is up to us as clergy, Christian education leaders, 
congregations, parents, children, and youth. I have spoken with several parents that do not feel qualified to be the key teachers of Christian education for their children. In recent years, they have said the church does this incredible job for us. Now, with everything being changed, Christian education looks different in every setting. These challenges and opportunities are what we can explore together today. We hope to be able to name and shine some light on reimagining Christian education. We want to take a look at the spiritual needs of parents and children during this season of coronavirus. Explore ways families can engage in discipleship together and what churches can do in terms of outreach, mission, evangelism, discipleship, all during this season. Now, that is a very ambitious agenda for our time together today. And yet, um, what we hope to do is to be able to spark some conversation, um, to direct, to connect people of like mind who are asking some of these questions, um, maybe even to, to connect you to some ways where there's active conversation every day happening. Um, and Melissa Getford, one of our speakers today, is going to be able to help us uh, navigate some of those places. So we, we want to invite or we want to introduce the, the, the leaders of our conversation today um, that we've invited. So the Reverend Melissa Collier Getford serves as the Intergenerational Discipleship Coordinator for our Great Plains Conference and has nearly a decade of kids and youth and adult discipleship experience in a variety of contexts, in small, in medium, and in large churches. So welcome, Melissa. We're glad you're here with us today. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. And Mona Candia currently serves as the Children's Ministry Coordinator at Grace United Methodist Church in uh, Olathe, Kansas. She's a deacon candidate in the Missouri Annual Conference, and we won't hold that against her, <laughs> but she's in the Missouri Thank Annual you. Conference. <laughs> and she's a recent grad um, of the, of St. Paul School of Theology in uh, Leewood, Kansas. Mona, we're so glad you're here to join us today. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. And Madison Stumbo is the Family Ministries Director at Grace United Methodist Church in Winfield, Kansas. And she also attends Southwestern College um, also in Winfield. She is preparing to finish her final semester um, of college and has been working with the church through her time there in Winfield. So Madison, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Well, we want to, um, just as a way of intro, just a little bit more, um, just briefly, we want to tell, we want you to tell us something that did not show up about you in your bio. Um, and then also just tell us one or two quick things that you've observed in these last four months. And um, Melissa, we'll start with you. Okay, um, so one thing that did not show up in my bio is that I believe that every time I get my hair done, you should be able to notice it. So I have, over the course of seven years that I've been in the conference, people have said, now, you used to have brown hair and your hair used to be long and you used to have bangs and that those things are all true. So um, it, it's sometimes difficult to recognize me because I like to change up my hair, but that's one thing that I really enjoy doing that did not show up in my bio because it's not that important. And Ashley, can you remind me the, the other question that you asked? Yeah, tell us one or two things that you've observed in these last couple of months. I have observed ministry leaders and parents and just, I mean, pretty, pretty much everybody really owning this adaptive time. And I, you know, I think we're all responding in our own ways. Some people are getting a little bit more anxious. Other people, I like to like make lists and, and all of that to try to keep some kind of like continuity in my life. And I am seeing beautiful, adaptive, and creative ideas. And to, to just piggyback off of what you said about faith forming in the home, that's always been the goal of kids and youth ministry from the get-go is to help educate and equip parents to be those primary faith formers, or that should be the goal. And now we're in this time with this opportunity for that to really happen. And it's really exciting to see how, um, how churches are equipping um, the adults and the families to to be those primary faith formers. It's really beautiful. Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Mona, how about you? Yes, the thing that did not show up in my bio is I just got a puppy this weekend, and um, her name is Lily, uh, and so we have another dog, and 
uh, they're all trying to figure out, we're all trying to figure out everything, but she's very cute and we're very happy with it. So um, I think the two things that I have seen, um, one would just be um, the advocacy for everybody to care for themselves and make the decision that's best for themselves. Um, I've seen more social media posts on, hey, take a minute for yourself or stop and breathe or take a break from social media if you need it or go for a walk. Um, I think that's been really good. Um, I think the other thing has been um, the creativity that has come from our hand being forced in this. Uh, I think that we've been in a routine in children's ministry and this has forced us to say, so if we can't be in the building, then how do we still be the church? Uh, and that's been really exciting and challenging to figure out. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You, and intentionality um, has kind of had to re-enter our conversation with this. Thanks. Awesome. Madison, tell us about something about you that we don't know and a couple things you've seen. Um, so you might be able to tell by my appearance, but I'm pretty young. I'm only 23. And so um, I got my job at Grace when I was freshly 20 years old. And so um, I'm kind of still new to the game. Um, so that's something that was not in my bio. And um, one thing that I've noticed is I think, and this is something that I recognized before um, all of this happened, but I think it's been really clear that in a lot of families, um, the children are the catalyst for having um, theological conversations in their households. Um, they're, and not even intentionally, but um, in many ways, I think kids say something and that sparks a deeper conversation, whether they had planned on that or not. And I think um, families are noticing that their conversations uh, can be theological without being at church. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you all so much. Thank you. We want to take things um, to open up a, a set of questions for each of you to explore with us. The first um, question we would like to ask you is what are some of the spiritual or psychological needs that you think that children are experiencing right now? Melissa, you want to begin? I think spiritual and psychological and physical and mental, it's all kind of wrapped up together. And I think um, one thing that's kind of just sticking out in my mind as you, as you talked was a video that I saw on Instagram of two little kids. They were probably maybe kindergarten, maybe first grade, and they were socially distanced, standing next to each other. The mom was kind of um, narrating and saying, you know, these, they've been best friends. We've been social distancing this whole time in quarantine. And this is the first time that they're going to get to hug each other. And so they did, and they both started crying. Like they broke down crying. And I think, um, you know, I've got a almost two year old and he is unable to, um, articulate, um, and even really, I think, understand what's going on, but I can tell through his actions and through the way he kind of like interacts with people, um, that he can feel a difference and, and feel that something's not like it used to be even at that young age. And so I think one of the big psychological and spiritual needs is, is need for true human contact. And so it's, it's, it's a difficult time right now because I feel like it's, that's not just for kids. I think we all need human contact. And that in and of itself is a psychological and spiritual need. Thank you so much. Margaret, Madison, you want to jump in there? Sure. Um, I think for spiritual, I think it comes down to um, the church is no longer just in the building, which means that now God conversations are happening outside of the church building, which means that then they have to figure out so why are all of these things happening and what do we do with all of these things and how do we handle not being able to see our grandparents or to see our friends or to have such a drastic change from going everything that is completely overscheduled uh, or very scheduled um, to now we're all home 
and there's not a whole lot of structure and mom and dad are now everything to them. So they are the teacher and they are the parent and they are the grandparents and they are, you know, their playmates and they're all these different things. So I think the spiritual part of that is helping kids understand that God is continuing to work in their lives and through their lives. And, um, which I think is actually a much more, um, important conversation to have. Um, we, every Sunday we do our weekly lessons and they're learning the new stories and the concepts and all those different things, but the active work of figuring out where God is at in their lives, um, outside of those things, um, will only help them figure out more about who God is, uh, later. Yeah, I think one of the things that I see is the need for connection with people who are not the same age as they are. Um, Our kids at my church really love um, intergenerational uh, services, and they all kind of have their church grandparents that they usually sit with during worship. And most of those grandparents don't necessarily have a way to communicate with those kids and vice versa. And I think that's something our kids are really missing. I think they learn a lot from sitting with um, the folks who are older than than them. And I think um, something I'm working on is trying to figure out a way that they can still have that connection with um, being safe and um, healthy. all so much. I want to take a, a turn to look at this next question to explore that since the pandemic has arrived, devices and computers have been used for schooling and for entertainment and also for worship and Christian education. Are there things that we should be mindful of in order to help children and maybe their families create sacred space for encountering God in this medium? That's really a a tough question. It's a good one. Um, I personally am completely zoomed out. Right. And so like, there's this, there's this interesting thing that's happening because we're using technology even more than we already were. Right. We were already concerned about screen time before COVID. And here we are making screen time be your schooling, making screen time being your social whatever, your social connection, and now also a sacred space. And so I think it's actually really important. I I think it's wonderful that churches are utilizing technology. um, And I think we should continue exploring different ways of um, utilizing and um, uh, using technology in a way that uh, serves as a catalyst for spiritual development. And also, it's really important to to go offline too. What I, what I fear is if, if it's only relegated to technology, then what does that communicate about the rest of the world and um, how we interact in sacred space, like in physical sacred space. And so um, I, I would say two things. Um, The first thing is when, when families are engaging um, via technology in faith formation, one way that you can kind of set the stage and like, communicate with your family that this is a sacred space at this time, you you need to separate it from the rest of the screen time somehow. And so something as simple as a candle, um, lighting a candle and taking a few breaths before you push play or before you open your screen, whatever, is a really easy way to help not just kids understand the, the sacred space, but also for yourself. I mean, we're all busy. We're all kind of you know, sucked into this screen time. And so separating it that way is, is a really easy way to do that. And also finding ways to identify sacred space in the physical world outside of virtual space. What I don't want to see is, you know, we have this great opportunity for families to really infuse uh, spirituality and sacred space in, in everyday stuff. So my fear is because churches are offering the on Sunday, that then becomes the sacred space. And so, so our, you know, Melissa, we're losing your connection just a little bit. 
right, think we've lost her. Yeah. yeah, until she comes back. That I recommend. Uh oh. Did I did I uh, cut off? You did a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. How long was I cut off? <laughs> A few seconds. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um, well, if I could just just real quick uh, recommend Faithful Families Creating Sacred Moments at Home by Tracy Smith. She does a fantastic job of um, identifying like everyday things and how we can create ritual within just our everyday uh, lives. And now I'm done. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. And we'll, if um, didn't catch that, we'll also put that in our resource page. Thank you so much, Melissa, so that we can have that available um, for, for your, um, for the reflection. Thank you, Mona or Madison, anything to follow up? I, yeah. Melissa took a lot of what I was going to say. Uh, so glad we're on the same wavelength about that. Um, I think that another thing that I would add is to encourage there to be something different about their time on Zoom or their time online um, that sets it apart from all of their other conversations that they're having on Zoom. Um, we always end our time. So uh, prior to July, we were doing weekly um, like Zoom lunch bunches with our elementary kids and PJs and pals with our little ones. Um, at the end, we have always asked them to uh, like, what's something that you want to pray about? Something that's good, something that's tough, something, uh, somebody who's hurting, something that you're thankful for. Uh, and we do this with our littles, with our early childhood friends. And we do that with our elementary as well. And it has been incredible to watch them um, even though they are all on the screen and they're not being able to see each other in person, um, the relationships that have been formed through the prayer requests um, and by them feeling confident and able to say, uh, my grandpa's in the hospital and I'm worried about it. And my um, also I'm thankful for my toys. And so it's like just this wide variety of things that are on their minds. Uh, and then we take them all to God. Um, so we try to create an intentional moment where um, they get to pause and be quiet and also connect with um, each other and with God in that. I think um, one thing that I would recommend more for um, uh, individuals who are creating content for these kids, I personally... Um, have stepped away from doing video based things because I think um I just don't find them quite as useful I think the kids um watch the video and that's kind of it and um I think it's important to give parents resources that are more of like conversation based or an activity um because I think I think that helps in uh, making it not just another video. Um, and that kind of gives the parents an opportunity to lead in that way as well. That's, you guys are also, oh, go ahead, Mona. Yeah, I was just going to add in um, the times that we've had parents sit in with their kids during our Sunday school class or our Zoom calls. Um, we did a series on race in July or June. Um, and, and how to do, how to have those conversations with your kids. The times that we had parents um, step in, we've noticed that there's been um, side conversation uh, where they've muted themselves uh, and they've had deeper conversations about whatever, or they're telling them they have to go to the bathroom. I mean, it could be a variety of things. Um, but then following that, we've heard stories of them saying, hey, thanks so much. They asked this question afterwards. So creating a moment where parent and kid can 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 connect and learn together also will launch you into a deeper conversation following that um, technology conversation. Good. You guys are setting me up for what my next question is, which really is family discipleship. And, um, and so what are ways that if that is, a, I mean, if that's a new idea for someone or um, if they, if they haven't thought in those terms, what are some things that, that people can do? Um, to begin to kind of um, help equip parents and families, or or if there's not um, a parent, if someone's a, a grandparent who's wanting to kind of disciple their grandchild or neighbor or whatever, what are some? What's a beginner step? Um, and anyway, Madison hit on the the intergenerational piece. So in my mind, this is at the heart of that intergenerational connection. So jump in, whichever of you have an, a thought here. 
I would say the first easy step is like pray before a meal. You know, when you sit down together, just say, let's pray. And it can be as simple as, dear God, thank you for this food. Bless it to the nourishment of our bodies and us to your service. Amen. That's what uh, Bill and I, my husband Bill and I say before meals. And Finn is almost two. And he says, amen now. And so, uh, and then when you're tucking your kids in at night, praying, um, or even giving them a a blessing. Um, I mentioned faithful families, the book, she has some fantastic nighttime blessings. It's, it's something very easy that you can do. Um, that that's a good first step and I'll stop because there are other people here. I think one thing that um, I think is helpful in starting these conversations is to have um, the format of kind of what's your high of the day, what's your low of the day, and if it's helpful for the kids, what's your silly of the day. Um, That's one conversation that I had with my kids a lot now in the midst of this, um, and it helps them kind of it's kind of their form of the daily examine, which is my favorite prayer practice. Um, and going back over their day, what what's the best thing that happened? What's something that's not so great? And um, how can we thank God for all of those moments? And I think that's an easy conversation to have with kids that can get into a much um, deeper conversation. And it's also like you throw in the fun thing there for them to like not lose interest in the conversation obviously and um it also leads to the conversation of look our our good things were the same today like isn't that cool and kind of gets into a deeper conversation there too Yeah, I think uh what Melissa and uh, Madison have both said is good because you're working natural conversations in to the already structured day. Uh, that is one of the things that um, we use Orange Curriculum, uh, which it's good and bad on all levels. There's no perfect curriculum. But one of the things that Orange, is, uh, that Orange teaches specifically is that you have to empower parents to have conversations and what makes sense to them. So um, bedtime, mealtime, well, car time was one thing at one point, but now no one is going anywhere. So, um, but whatever makes sense for your family, uh, then they encourage you to have, here's like a conversation starter about what they learned on Sunday um, or the concept that they're learning. Um, one of the things that we, after pulling our parents, we realized that while we are providing a parent guide for them to have conversations and do activities with their kids based on what we're talking about on Sunday mornings with the kids, they have said, these things are really great um, and we would love to do them, but we don't have the capacity to do them. We don't have the mental space to do them right now. Um, so, and the other interesting thing was they don't feel comfortable teaching a story that they haven't been, that they haven't heard about or that they haven't, um, really sat down and studied or learned for themselves, uh, or at least recently. Right. So one of the things that we did, um, we turned our children's moment during, uh, online worship into a challenge for them to, um, we did an ice fire focus challenge, which is what the kids are learning this summer. So we turned that into something that families can do together based on what our pastors were preaching about. So we were taking what the family was learning about in online worship together, ideally. Uh, and then we're saying, great, now take this into it. So instead of taking and inviting parents to have conversations about what kids are learning, we're inviting kids to have conversations with their parents about what everybody is learning. Uh, so that's been a, so far has been a great uh, addition to what um, has been helpful for parents. That's so good. When I, um, when I recruit volunteers to help with like Sunday school, one of the things that I've heard the most uh, as far as resistance is, oh, well, you know, I don't know about enough about the Bible. I don't know enough to, to feel confident doing this. And um, it's really beautiful to be able to encourage them and say, look, like 
I don't feel like I know enough sometimes either. I'm not, I'm no expert when it comes to spirituality. That's not how this works. And so all you need to know when you're teaching is here's your lesson plan and here's the structure. And so I think that extrapolates to parents too. And also for parents that are, that feel like, you know, I don't have the mental space to follow whatever curriculum or a parent cue, which is a real thing. I get Um, questions like, I wonder. And then feel, fill in the blank, finding, finding the mystery and the beauty in the everyday things in nature, in human nature, um, that's all spiritual essentially as well. And so wonder questions are really good. Um, and you don't have to know the answer. That's the, that's the beauty of it is it just gets you engaged in a conversation with people, with young people about, you know, what are they experiencing? What are they seeing and feeling and how is the spirit working in and through them? And those conversations are incredibly formative. Barbara Brown Taylor is a wonderful person to follow as well. So I'll go ahead and lift her up for the show notes as well. She's, she's awesome. so much um, for the richness of this conversation. We want to invite um, everyone into this conversation now. And so we're going to have a little time of breakouts to break out into some small groups of about three to four folks um, in each of the groups. And we'll have some questions for you to explore together. We'll put those in the chat box now that you can see them um, for everyone to, to look at. Some things for you to discuss in your groups. How does what you are hearing from our panelists, our guests, impact you? What questions does this conversation bring to mind? And what are one or two things that you want to do to cultivate the faith of a child or children in your life with your church or congregation after hearing this or about stuff that's going on in your own life? So we'll put you into uh, groups right now and invite you for about 10 minutes to share together and then we'll bring you back. Thank you so much. All right, I think <laughs> I think people are getting there in groups. We appreciate um, what we've been hearing you guys share so much. Um, all right, Shelly, do you have another another question here for us? I do. I was wondering um, if there are ways that churches can lead in the outright our outreach efforts for children or families, um, or to find ways to share with uh, children or youth to find that hope of Christ, to find out how it is that they can dive into their faith. Some of them have maybe never walked into a building of a church and now might not for a while. So how can we be a part of leading those efforts of outreach um, to folks who have never heard um, uh, the good news of what, what congregations can offer? Melissa, are you going first? No, okay. Um, some of the things that we've been talking about, uh, well, we did a pen pal program between uh, some of our older adults and our families uh, when all of this started, and that was great. Um, we had these crazy connections that were made, uh, and I, I think that the connections that were being that were made and that were um, watered and continued to grow has been really fruitful. So that's been really exciting. Uh, moving forward, we've been talking about. Um, if we were to do like a door drop, uh, then because most of our volunteers are parents and they're already stressed about everything, um, what would it look like to take some um, older adults who want to get out safely uh, and who don't have the capacity to go into, or not capacity, but don't feel safe going into different um, environments, what would it look like to uh, give them the bags or the activity bags or whatever it is that we're distributing and have them go do porch drops for us? Uh, that's one of the things that we've been talking about. The other thing has been um, 
the ability to check in with all of our retired folks, uh, those who are former educators or those who uh, love, you know, just listening to kids read or different things like that, especially now, depending on what school looks like in the fall, uh, tapping some of them to say, would you be interested in calling a kindergartner uh, via FaceTime or that and listen, listen to them read? Uh, or have a 20 minute conversation, just occupy them for 20 minutes and talk about science. Uh, or what would it look like to get some of our retired teachers to say, hey, will you do a 15 minute video based on whatever your expertise is um, that has an activity or something to help engage kids in that capacity? Um, I have no idea if it's gonna work or not, but I'm excited about the opportunity of getting the two different worlds connected in that way. Mona, are those are those with kids already engaged in your church, or are there are you finding ways to connect with kids who are not yet um, connected to the church? Yeah, as of right now, they are kids who are already connected to our church. Uh, we are thinking about how to support schools right now, and uh, in different ways, do we become like a, a Wi-Fi hotspot for those who need it? Do we, um, you know, support schools in a different way by supporting teachers and providing supplies for them and whatever they need? But yeah, as of right now, it's just kids who are connected to us. Gotcha. I want to piggyback off of that. I think partnering with schools right now is so vital. Um, like, like really, really vital schools, libraries, any social services, um, you know, last, last, uh, orders and fellowship, uh, clergy talked a lot about asset community, asset-based community development. Now is the time to partner with the assets in your community to reach people who need it. And we have got to make sure that their, their needs are met. There are students that don't have access to Wi-Fi, that don't have access to meals. So, you, you know, going back to school is, is, is a debated thing, but there are kids who need, need support regardless of whether or not they're going back to school. They need food. They need, you know, we're, we're talking safety even um, in, in situations where there may be abuse. Um, it, is, it is huge. And so the opportunity for the church to be that safe, place to offer hope and um, to offer supplies and meet real needs in the community is just huge right now. So I encourage clergy and ministry leaders, like I know right now is a super difficult time and we're trying to figure out how to do church virtually, but we need to remember how to be church in the community, regardless of whether or not we're in the building or online. Like, please don't relegate church to the, the, the inner internet now, you know, um, we, we are out of the walls, but we're also off the internet too. And so what does that look like? Um, I think churches have an incredible, not just opportunity, but really at this point, like responsibility to partner with churches to make sure that kids are um, being fed and taken care of um, physically, mentally, psychologically, spiritually. Yeah, I think, um, most of you, some of you guys know, but uh, Grace um, has a big heart for neighboring. And I think in this time, we've realized how important neighboring is once again. And I don't know about your um, news feeds on your Facebook, but mine seem to be more and more people uh, reaching out to their neighbors, reaching out to the people they live close to. And um, we... At Grace, of course, we like always encourage that, but it's been super special to encourage that during this time. One of the ways that we did that was uh, during um, Pentecost. Pentecost is huge at Grace. Um, the entire place is decorated in red. And like, I just don't, I don't just mean like a little bit. It's like there's balloons, red velvet cupcakes. It's a whole deal. And so this year we... Um, decided to deliver balloons to the kids and we delivered two red balloons and they were encouraged to take one of them to their neighbor. And so that was a super fun way for them to uh, practice neighboring in a safe way. Um, I'm also, as we move forward into this time, um, this fall period, we're not really sure when we're going to get back um, to being in person. So one of the things that I'm working on 
is inviting families to do some sort of a backyard um, Sunday school and inviting neighbor kids to do that. Um, We talked about doing that with Vacation Bible School, but decided that was a little bit too big of a feat for um, our families. And so just having conversations with families about, hey, would you be willing to host this at your home, social distanced and um, encourage the families in your neighborhood? Um, That becomes a little bit of a challenge in our area because we've got lots of um, farms and individuals that live um, in rural areas. So we're trying to figure that piece out, but I think neighboring has been super important and super helpful in us being able to reach further than just our our grace community. Those are great. Those are really great um, examples. And as Shelly and I were thinking about this conversation, we kind of kept getting in the loop of where the, you know, those who have access to things like technology and those who have access to healthy relationships, like they get that now in abundance. Um, and those who don't, um, now the gap is even wider. And, um, and it's important for churches to, to, to be mindful of that. Some of, the, some of that, um, which is invisible, invisible um, we just have to pray for God to show us those things so that we can begin to see where some of those, those places are. Um, so it's, a, it's an important role of, of the church to, as Melissa said, to be the church, not just now we're transitioning church to the internet or that time where our, we're, we're on YouTube or Facebook Live or whatever. Um, and so what does it look like for us to really embody the hope of Christ and be the light of Christ and, and meet, the, meet the needs that we see? And this is a huge need. So, yeah. yeah. Well, good. Well, uh, Melissa, we have a question specifically for you. You, um, Grace, first of all, Grace Olathe is a very large church that Mona, that Mona works in, and and Grace Winfield is a is a smallish medium um, church. And Melissa gets to see a variety of different folks in the work that you're doing. So, what um, what are some of the ways that you've seen churches of all uh, sizes responding uh, to to this season? You know, some of the some of the smaller churches have already been doing intergenerational work because that's the nature of of their size and their context. And so it, it's been really exciting to see some of the smaller churches like help um, some of the larger churches with ideas on what does it mean to be intergenerational. Um, you know, intergenerational worship where kids are. Um, integrated into worship and, and you know, d- different age groups all together in one Sunday school um, classroom. That's kind of been the norm for a while in the smaller churches and in the rural areas. And so um, it's not much of a jump to kind of just say like, hey, keep doing what you're what we've been doing in church on Monday through Saturday too, and on Sundays. Um, The difficulty in some of the rural areas is um, not every place in the Great Plains has access to internet, like stable internet. And so that's been a challenge for them. But I've seen some really interesting things um, that kids workers and youth workers are doing. They're going like socially distancing, but going to kids' houses with a um, yard game of sorts. And and playing one-on-one, I know of another youth worker that's having one-on-one conversations, socially distanced, like coffee dates with, with their youth. Um, and, and that's a little bit more of a, of a youth thing. But I still think that having those one-on-one conversations um, has been really fruitful for um, depth of spirituality that we weren't getting otherwise. And so we're actually seeing some depth that might not have been there if, if regular kids ministry or regular youth ministry was um, continuing, which, which is really hopeful to hear that these conversations are happening in the midst of a pandemic. Larger churches are doing really fun and like interesting things. I know one church in Omaha had like this drive-through egg hunt where, so like they usually did an egg hunt on Easter where all the kids are running around collecting the eggs. But what they did is they hid eggs in their huge lawn and then people could drive through and then submit how many eggs they found via text in church. And they had like a whole, you know, contest. And so they're creating ways for fun and engagement. Um, I'm, I am just super 
um, it's really, really a blessing to be in this position at this time to see the, the creativity and how people are innovating. We've had virtual VBS. We've had backyard VBS. We've had people say, we're not doing VBS, but we're going to do, you know, a summer of kindness instead. And um, so the j- churches are just really kind of becoming their own. You know, it used to be like kind of a cookie cutter approach to kids ministry. And now like each church has its own little quirk. And, and I think that that's great and fun and really super adaptive at this time. Thank you so much. I believe that people are going to start coming back in. And as people come back in, um, we will welcome them and then we'll continue our conversation as, um, as the groups join back in. So thank you for the breakout sessions. And getting people back in here now. Well, welcome back, everyone. We are glad uh, to have you back and hope that the breakout sessions were uh, fruitful for your time together. Um, A part of what happened in um, the small group with the panelists is they talked about some outreach ideas for folks who are not um, in um, in the church at this point. And so what are some possibilities for that? as well as how have we looked at um, churches of all sizes responding in this season. So if at any point you want to go back and watch this or listen to this recording later, you can catch up on that part. But we also want to hear from you. If there are any questions that came up from your conversations in the breakout room, invite you to put those into the chat um, box and we can respond to any of those. If you have any questions or comments or feedback that you would like to have um, shared with the panelists or anything that are bubbling up, um, we invite you to put those into the chat and we'll have a time to respond to those as, as we go along. Um, we do also wanna ask um, the panelists, um, as you're thinking about some of those questions, for each of you, are there ways and what ways are you praying for the children and youth in your care? How do you pray? And how, are, um, how can we be invited to pray for the children and youth of the Great Plains Conference, those that are in our sphere of influence? So, um, I, one of the ways that I pray is through crocheting and through doing crafting things. So at the beginning of this pandemic, I, um, decided that I was going to make each kid a, um, prayer shawl, prayer blanket is what I'm calling them for the kids because it'll be easier for them to understand. Um, and so, as I'm crocheting these blankets, I'm making uh, 40. And so as I'm making them, I'm praying for each of the kids. Um, And it's been a really tangible way for me to be able to um, remember their faces and remember, um, remember their joy and the joy that they've brought into my life. And so that's one way that's been super helpful for me and has allowed me to feel um, somewhat of a connection with them. Um, Another way I have been praying for them is I asked the parents to send me pictures of their families and I created a little, a little scrapbook. And so especially when I am feeling like I'm really missing them, um, I just am able to flip through those pages and um, pray for those faces and those families. And that's been super um, powerful for me. Madison, I love those things. Those are so good. Um, I think for us, we, or I guess for me specifically, um, we have been, we do postcards and we do, you know, thank you letters to our volunteers or you know, we miss you cards, birthday cards, all those different things. Um, and so I try to pray through as I'm writing those things or as I'm getting ready to send them out. Um, I try to pray for that specific family and those kids. Uh, along with that, we have been calling all of our families uh, and just checking in with them and making sure, you know, just the personal contact in that, um, especially the ones that we have not seen engaged in any of our stuff. 
Uh, and so as we do that, I also try to pray through those things. Um, and then more big picture, uh, just as we are thinking about the needs of our families and we are getting, uh, we're planning and we are considering those things, we, did tr we just try to check in with our families, especially the ones who are engaged with us and are connecting with us to find out what's actually going on in their lives uh, so that we know specific things to pray for them, uh, along with making sure that our programming is meeting their needs. Uh, and that also launches us into, uh, just to hear the frustration and the heartbreak and the challenges and all that, uh, just launches us into praying for uh, our church and, and the community and our school districts and all the different uh, avenues in which we are uh, connected to them. That's so good. In my ministry, I actually don't come into contact with a lot of children or uh, youth, um, more so youth than kids. Um, so I've been praying for the ministry leaders. I've been praying for the families, the, the parents that are, you know, the families that are affected by this, the ministry leaders that are affected by this. Um, it is, again, I keep saying this, super adaptive time, and it's really difficult sometimes to do that. And so I've been praying for the ministry leaders who are um, kind of on the ground, so to speak, the, the boots on the ground, those ones who are going to have um, impact um, in kids' lives in their communities. Um, and I'm also praying for our um, political leaders during this time as they're making decisions that impact. I mean, these are not just like in your head decisions, right? These decisions impact our economy, which impacts kids. These decisions impact the education system, which impacts kids for the rest of their lives. And so I've been praying for our leaders as well to make informed decisions and wise decisions. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation for how we can be in prayer. Um, I want to note um, a piece that came in for our uh, chat box and grateful for this comment here. I am finding our adults are grooving on the VBS videos we have posted. So I've made a mental note to be extra careful how we post videos for kids so that they, if they do go out to adults and or adults we do not know, we have full permission if children are in the videos. Thank you for your extra care and caution and invitation for all of us um, for the great care and safety of, of the children um, that are entrusted to our care. Yeah, and, and another question came up about um, best practices for uh, controlling uh, who who is on the Zoom call? So I'd love to hear from from the practitioners, or, or if there's another if there's somebody else who's on the call um, and you want to add in here, I'd love to hear that. So um, who could speak to that? Melissa, you're on mute. Can you hear me now? Now we can. <laughs> it had to happen. It had yeah. to happen. <laughs> you know, it, this is the day. This is how it's going. We've already talked about it. <laughs> Password on Zoom. Um, for any person that is under 18, I would say just anything with the church, regardless of age. Um, we've all heard the, the horror stories of Zoom bombing. So with kids specifically, passwords, um, I think it's, I think it's absolutely fair um, when you're doing private Zoom conversations to, to ask that an adult be there and check in and check out. I mean, if you think about Sunday school, right, like require a, a, a parent to check them in and check them out, it's not it's not that, you know, far-fetched to ask for that um, during Zoom. Um, if you're live streaming, that's a whole different thing. Obviously, any kind of thing that you're putting out on the internet, you need to have parent permission. So now's a great time to start looking at your fall registration forms, include um, some sort of uh, photo release authorization from parents, um, you know, and they can opt in or opt out for that and then honor that. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. And if you've not explored some of the securities of Zoom, there's some great ways that Zoom um, absolutely creates either a, a waiting room or or those sorts of things. So those are all helpful. Well, Melissa, I the, one thing. go ahead. Um, we only post our Zoom links on our email, so they have to be connected to our email chain in order to get those. And we only post them in our private Facebook group. We do post that we're having a Zoom on our public pages and on our website, but we say message us for the Zoom link. Yep. So those are, unless they have to be connected to those two avenues or specifically ask us for that so that we know who's asking for it. Awesome. 
Very good. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate the care for um, for all of our vulnerable populations in this new new season. So, Melissa, I want to ask you as we're um, as we're wrapping up on um, our time today, you are working on some really exciting, um, great things resource wise from the conference for kids ministry in the year ahead. Would you tell us about them? Yes, I am so excited. A couple of weeks ago, can you hear me? Yes. This time, okay. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, I met with the bishop and my boss, my director, um, Nathan Stanton of Congregational Excellence, and we were trying to think, like, what does it look like for us to um, dedicate a week from the conference to just to, to resourcing kids and their families? Um, we were thinking this would be, like, helpful for churches so that they could, the churches wouldn't have as much work to do. And so we thought maybe a VB, like an online VBS. And we were like, well, you know, it's kind of late, you know, people start planning VBS months ahead and the churches are already doing this. So what else could we do? Um, and so the conversation then evolved from (laughs) the Bishop said, well, whatever you choose to do, make sure you're thinking about the next step. What is the next thing? And so, um, so we took that as a, as, as a charge to create a year discipleship plan. <laughs> and um, so, so, you know, we're, we're, we don't know when we're going to come back to church. Some churches are already back in session. Others are already back in session and thinking about when they're going to close again. And so, you know, the reality is regardless of where you, where we are, um, churches are going to start to have to have to continue to equip parents and the adults and the family um, to be primary faith formers. And I don't think that's going away even when COVID does. And so this uh, annual, this year-long discipleship plan is a series of um, initiatives, resources, PDFs, um, and social media pushes that are designed for uh, parents and guardians, the adults and the family, uh, to to engage with uh, the young people in, in their homes. Um, churches can use these to pass on to their families and their communities. And if a family is not connected to a church, it's designed so that they could also engage. So we're going to be kicking off in August with kind of like a back to school blessing month. Um, the Bishop is going to be recording some blessings. So like a a blessing of the backpack and, um, lesson plans for teachers. And so churches could play that, um, during their uh, worship services, they could send it out in, you know, their newsletters, you can share it on social media. That's a blessing. We'll have a welcome to confirmation blessing for those young people that are starting on their confirmation journeys. What a time right? To, to try to figure out confirmation. That's the whole thing. Um, and we'll have a, um, oftentimes in the fall, um, young uh, kids receive Bibles for the first time. And so there's a blessing for your first Bible um, that can be played during worship or just shared with, with anybody who receives their first Bible. Um, so there's some blessings from the bishop. And then we'll also have the second week of August, we're going to have a virtual spirit week. So a lot of times, Schools have a spirit week where each day is a different theme um, and you get to dress up and it's kind of a fun thing. So we're going to do a virtual spirit week. We'll have a different theme for each day and we're inviting um, uh, kids ministry leaders across the conference to submit videos that are kind of like kids messages um, and they'll be dressed up in the theme as well. And um, we have like a, a Bible verse for the day. So it's kind of like a BBS thing, but it's more of a spirit week back to school celebration opportunity. So we're in inviting families to dress up and, you know, post pictures and uh, do all that. There'll be some, some discipleship engagement questions with those videos as well. So that's August. And then each month and during the season, different seasons like Advent, Lent, we're going to have a series of opportunities for families to engage. Sometimes it's going to be like teaching stuff. So in September, we'll have like a Kids Bible 101 PDF with some, like something to learn, but then also a lot of activities. Um, during Advent, we'll have um, Advent wreath activities for kids and their families to do together. Um, we'll have some social media pushes during Lent with kids teaching us how to do the spiritual disciplines. So I'm really excited about that. And then we'll finish out with a um, Summer of Kindness, which is which will be um, an initiative and a contest between um, churches 
in the conference regardless of age. And so you'll hear more about this along the way. So we released the annual plan, um, I think two weeks ago, two Wednesdays ago, it was in the GP Connect. It's also on the Facebook group that we have. It's Great Plains Discipleship, the Facebook group. Um, I invite you to join that. There's a lot of resources there. And um, each month we'll be releasing the plans uh, for that month. And so um, this can be used for ministry leaders to pass on to the, the families that, that are in your care. It can be used for pastors to share with their congregations. It can also be used if you share it on your own Facebook page, people that may not even be connected to a church would have an opportunity to use these as well. Thank you, Melissa. I think that's great. That can help. Um, I love that you're releasing a whole year's worth of things so that people at the local level can sort of mitigate where they're going to put their energy and figure out what of, of you, the resources you've created um, can, can be used in their context. So thank you for that. And um, it's, it's great to hear about that. time is coming to an end here today but as we wrap up I just want to um, I just want to lift up a couple of things I heard highlighted a couple different times but one about the um, the intentionality behind what this is doing um, it is an invitation to sort of refresh um, it's it's can be an it can feel overwhelming but there's an invitation to um, to recenter to refresh um, to, to refocus on um, on what it looks like um, for for family family units and, and however we define that um, neighborhoods maybe even at neighbors to to recenter into ways to to offer the hope of the light of Christ the, the church has not um, ceased to meet as we we've, we've all said multiple times um, but the church is certainly stretching its its legs and stretching its reach in new ways and so we're so grateful I love that the tangible acts of um, embedded with prayer, writing cards, um, creating prayer shawls, uh, calling people. It's a new form of visiting house to house. Excuse me, a new form of visiting house to house. So I'm grateful for these suggestions and the ways that that you all are are um, helping to see the opportunity in this season. Well, I do want to um, I want to queue up our next conversation here for us in two weeks on Thursday, July 30 at 10:30 a.m. We are going to be connecting um, with this idea of education from the school's perspective. Um, and we've got an excellent lineup um, on the docket for that day. Tabitha Rossbroy, who was recently named the National Teacher of the Year uh, for 2020, um, comes to us from Winfield, Kansas, actually, where she is a preschool teacher uh, whose classroom is in a nursing home. and she has been able to be a part of innovative innovative education um, and also has her pulse on kind of where the state of ed education is across the country. And so we are so grateful to have her a voice among us next time. And also we are bringing in an administrator. Um, if you're not praying for your administrators and your teachers as he's making decisions, you need to make sure and add them to your prayer list. And we're gonna to get to hear from, um, from Dr. Tawana Grover, who's the superintendent of schools in Grand Island, Nebraska. Um, and she has led the effort in reimagining school for 10,000 students and 21 schools in Grand Island. And so we're just gonna get a, a chance to have conversation with these two education leaders and get a little glimpse into the, into the work that they are doing and ways that churches might be able to partner with and support um, with our educators and also um, with the families that are experiencing that. So you all can register um, for upcoming conversations and find the resources that we've mentioned today at www.greatplainsumc.org slash at dash the dash threshold. So um, just come, you can check that out um, soon. Well, we started this conversation today by referencing John Wesley, and I want to share something that um, that that he said here. This was in the large minutes of the United Societies, which you may remember is a guide of the early days of the Methodist movement. And he gave an instruction to Methodist pastors saying some really important things about the role of children in their midst. So hear these words of John Wesley to the, to the societies. Where there are 10 children in a society, we must meet them at least an hour every week. Talk with them whenever we see them at home. 
pray in earnest for them. Diligently instruct and vehemently exhort all parents at their own houses. Some will say, I have no gift for this. Gift or no gift, you are to do this, or else you cannot be called a Methodist preacher. Do it as you can, till you can do it as you would. Pray earnestly for the gift and use every help God hath put into your way in order to attain it. He doesn't let any of us off the hook for kids ministry. And while we are so very grateful for the specialists who have been with us, they lead us and they guide us um, each as we take seriously the words of Jesus, because he doesn't let us off the hook either when it comes to the children in our midst. Whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. So may it be true for all of those um, who hear these words today. Let's join together in a word of prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for our panelists, for all who are on this conversation, for ministry leaders, for school administrators, for families, schools, and children in this time. Oh Lord, we bring before you our prayers for the spiritual formation of the children entrusted to our care. In the midst of so much that is unknown, what is known is your steadfast love and faithfulness that does not change. That is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Oh Lord, equip us so that we can equip those who are around us. Use the creativity and the exhaustion, the possibilities and the prayers to help us see how we can not just do church, but be the church. Use us so that we can help point to you in the midst of our everyday. In your name we pray. We thank you for joining us today in this conversation. We hope that you have been able to see in this new reality just a bit clear as we share together of our gifts and our experiences. We thank you for the questions and for the encouragement. We will stay on here a few more minutes on this call if anyone would like to visit a bit more with any of our panelists. And we hope that each of you is able to find some light at the threshold. Grace and peace to you. in this series about ministry in liminal time. You can find links to join future conversations at greatplainsumc.org slash clergy resources or listen to them as a podcast at greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. This is a challenging season full of confusion and uncertainty and we want to shed a little light to help you discern the way through. Thank you for joining us at The Threshold.